0: at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson.
1: The Apostle Paul had a testimony. A testimony that spoke to two things. First, Paul's faithfulness. He received the faithfulness of God, and that faithfulness was displayed in his life through his behavior, through his words. And then the second thing that we can be assured of is that when we behave in faith, we are going to be rejected by this world. And Paul is going to teach us that. This is something that is going to get worse. We've seen this in our previous study of this same chapter. It's going to get worse and not better in the last days. And therefore, perseverance, patience, being someone who's willing to suffer long, all of these are the characteristics of a true believer. And Paul wants young Timothy to know this truth and to apply it to his life that he too has a testimony, a God-pleasing testimony. And obviously, we are studying it tonight in order that we too can live in a manner that is pleasing to our lord and savior that honors his name and that demonstrates our covenantal relationship with him the fact that we are recipients of the holy spirit and through him great things we can do and what is that to praise him at all times Our praise, our worship, our thanksgiving to God, all these things, they are not dependent upon our circumstances. In fact, victory is when, from a human standpoint, there's no reason to praise God, but we continue to praise God joyfully because we know these things that that can be painful, that can hurt us both emotionally and physically, these things that we may be lacking in this world, we know all of that is temporary. All of that is going to come to an end. And therefore, we're going to emphasize what follows. And that is a kingdom experience. Well, take out your Bible and look with me to 2 Timothy and chapter 3. 2 Timothy and Chapter 3. Now remember, Paul said in this chapter. That, that for sure, for surely, in the last days, perilous times will come. And therefore, he is continuing to instruct Timothy on what he needs to know and how he needs to behave. So let's pick up where we left off last week in verse 10. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 10. Now, he begins by, by praising Timothy because Timothy has done something wise, and that is, look at verse 10, but you, now this is in contrast to many other individuals, we'll see that next week, but but in contrast to those who cease in their faithfulness, cease in their obedience, Timothy did not. For it says here, but you have followed closely, My teaching or instruction or doctrine, however you want to translate this word that has to do with the revelation that Paul taught Timothy and others concerning what he had received from Messiah personally. Now, we need to understand something, and that is this. When you receive the gospel, you are going to have that experience. Confirm to you what experience salvation you are going to have that confirmed within By the ministry of the Holy Spirit For example when you as a believer Begin to do things that for many people they don't wait a second They just press on into unrighteousness But as a believer It's not easy for us We fall under conviction. The Spirit of God testifies this is not correct. The Spirit of God, we might say, emboldens our conscience in order that we can judge properly and realize this isn't the way of a disciple, of a servant of God. These things are forbidden. Now, when we look at at Judaism, a fundamental course are those things that are forbidden and those things which are permissible. Permissible implies according to God's will. That which is forbidden is against God's will. And therefore when the Spirit of God is in you, you are going to want to be obedient to His will. And you are going to have that assurance that you belong to Him. That's why a true believer will not just walk away from from their faith. Now, we're going to see people in the last days, especially when we get into chapter 4 of this second epistle to Timothy, we're going to see that there are those who, because of the cares of this world, because they did not understand the profession that they made, they're going to turn away, but not a real disciple. Not someone who, Receive the faith, the faith of of God, believing in Him according to the truth. So look again at verse ten. He says, "But you have followed closely my instruction." And then we have a series of other things that he has followed from Paul. Paul saying, "Timothy, you followed my instruction, my my behavior, my conduct, the purpose." The faith, being patient, loving, and endurance. Now, all these things, and I want to read them again. He says, you have followed closely. He says, my instruction, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, and endurance. Now, all of those things, and make a list of them. All these things are necessary in order to walk in a pleasing manner we need to be individuals that follow closely the doctrine biblical doctrine now paul says my doctrine my instruction because he received it he knew he was just not speaking as a mere man but as we're going to see later on he was speaking by means of the spirit inspiration so all of these things look again he says you followed my instruction also conduct now these two things go together it's when you embrace the proper doctrine it's going to impact it's going to impact your behavior when you are behaving properly god is going to give you insight to his purpose and therefore You will understand his purpose. You will respond to it. And that demonstrates what he says next, faith. And when you have faith, you are going to be willing to wait because you realize something. There's no other options. Now, think of it this way. If you need to get to a place and there's only one bus to take, you're going to wait for that bus. Why? There's no other options. There's nothing you can do. This is your only option. And when you understand biblical faith, you are going to wait on God. His provision, because you realize if God's not in this, if he's not part of it, then it's not going to end well. It's not going to be his will. So he's part of his will. Then he goes on and says, not only being patient, but but loving and enduring or persevering. Look now to verse 11. Now, when you demonstrate these things, and all of these things, and I think everyone would agree, these are fine things. We need proper doctrine. We need to be individuals that, that have patience, individuals that behave, take that doctrine and implement it into our lives so we have godly behavior that we demonstrate love and faith and perseverance. All of those things are good, proper. But what do they produce in our life? Well, Paul wants Timothy to know this is what you can expect when you demonstrate these things and all of these are right, proper, we ought to. He says, you know what else you're going to experience? He goes on, look at verse 11. Persecutions, sufferings, And he says, the many that happened to me in Antioch, in Iconium, and Lystra. And he says, however, we know that that many, he says, you know the many persecutions that I have borne that he had to endure. And then look at the end of this and from all now that's emphatic and from all the lord me he delivered now i want to take this slowly for a moment because when we look at this we find that god is faithful he is trustworthy it is wise to make yourself dependent upon him because he says and from all, all of these, the Lord, me, and notice the Lord. Now, it doesn't say, and we're going to see that other times in this section, it'll just say Messiah Yeshua. It will refer to God the Father. But here, it is referring to Messiah by the term Lord. Why is that? We receive the benefits of faith in yeshua when our life manifests that we acknowledge him not just as our teacher not just as our savior but as lord lord that gives a context to this passage and what is that a context of submissiveness and this is one of the things that that paul is teaching timothy that you're going to suffer, you are going to be persecuted, you are going to be placed in these uncomfortable situations, but realize, as you demonstrate your faith, showing that Yeshua is the Lord of your life, that you are his servant, you can expect that from all of these things, the opposition of the enemy, you can expect that the Lord, that, that he will deliver you as he did Paul. Paul says, the Lord, me, he has delivered. Verse 12. And all, now this doesn't have to do with just Paul, that Paul's unusual. Paul's some exception to the rule. Look if you would again to, to verse, verse 12. He says, but also all the ones desiring. Now, we have to make this personal. Ask yourself a question. Does this verse, verse 12, really speak to me in the sense that I'm part of that verse where it says, but, but all who are desiring, are you desiring what this verse speaks to? Where it says, all those who are desiring to live, how godly, to live in a, in a pious way. Now, pious, we hear that. And many times that has a negative connotation, a holier than thou, but it ought not. What this word does is speak to, and that's why many times it's translated godliness, but it speaks of the character of God being manifested, manifested in every aspect of one's life, not just infrequently, not just on one day of the week, not just if you're in this certain group of people, but always so look again it says but also all the ones desiring to live godly godly lives how do you do that in messiah now notice earlier on it says the lord but here we're talking about in messiah yeshua now why that term in messiah yeshua well as i've said several times When when this word in Messiah, in Yeshua, when it appears, it is speaking to being in a new covenant relationship with God through Messiah Yeshua, this new covenant. And that new covenant, it's a covenant of forgiveness. It's a covenant of change. It's a covenant of promise. It's a covenant where God writes His laws, His commandments, upon our hearts so that we think according to righteousness so look again verse 12 but all all but also all the ones desiring to live godly in Messiah Yeshua. what will happen to them notice that important word all no exceptions to this all those who are desiring to live in a godly way what can they expect to be persecuted they will and especially one of the ways that we know that we are approaching the last days is that there is greater evidence throughout the world of persecution now this persecution can come through a variety of ways for example there are places where if you speak against for example a a manner of life that god calls an abomination i'm speaking about homosexuality if if you speak against this there are places that will will take down your your teaching will not let you be on their network they will in a way soft but nevertheless a form of censorship and persecution Now this is happening more and more in different places. There's also people who say, I'm a follower of Yeshua in many countries. This will get you put in jail where you will be be tortured to some degree. And thirdly, you may simply be put to death because of your faith. And this type of persecution, it is going to increase where We're not going to need the scripture to tell us we're going to be living it. Because if we desire to live godly, we, all of us, this is what this scripture is saying, all will be persecuted. Now look at verse 13. But evil men, now what's evil? Well, this word evil is usually related to a sexual immorality, not always, but frequently and we see again that that things are changing in that area of society won't go into it more than that but we see that there is a growing immorality when it comes to to sexuality that's being embraced supported and encouraged in in most societies so we read in verse 13 but in contrast to to people of faith, living godly, being persecuted, what do we expect? We should expect that evil men and, notice this next word, imposters. Now, this word actually has a variety of different translations, definitions given to it. It can be speaking about one who does sorcery. Now, I don't believe in sorcery. It's all fake. It's of the occult. When people practice that, it's an invitation for demonic influence. Didn't say I didn't believe in in the supernatural power of evil. Certainly, the enemy, Satan, he's got power. Demons have power. But when we see just this here, it's speaking about those who are frauds. They, they profess to have some type of power. This same word can be used for a court jester. And basically, this is what it's speaking about. It's speaking about those who will do about anything for a financial response. Meaning, they are a court jester. They are a clown. They are a magician. They are a sorcerer. They speak of the occult. They talk about themselves as some spiritual guru, whatever it takes. But one thing they all have in common, they are imposters. What they're doing is for one sake, and that's for money. They're not sincere about anything other than they want that payment. So it says here, look again at our text, verse 13. But evil men and imposters, they are going to proceed. Now, this is this same word, which means, and I gave this example a few weeks ago of someone taking like a machete and they're going through a jungle and they're cutting their way in order that they can continue on to go forward. So it says these individuals, and there's a degree of tenacity in this word, they are committed. Unfortunately, many times, non-believers and those who belong to the enemy. Those who are under demonic influence, they sometimes are more committed to, to evil than we are to the will of God, and that's shameful. But what the scripture tells us, and this once again, it, it goes against this false theology that, that we are going to, to make the world a better place. That things are going to get better as the end times increase. We don't see that in the scripture. This dominion theology is of the enemy. So read it. It says evil men and imposters. They are going to proceed. They're going to continue to go forth unto notice what it says. The worse. Now some will say they will get worse and worse. There's only one time the word worse. But what it says is this. Things are not going to get better. Things are going to get worse, and they're going to get absolutely the worse. That's what's happening. That's what we see taking place. And it's amazing to me how quickly things are are going dark, going towards evil, how things are changing in a rapid way. And we of faith, we need to have discernment. of of these things, why they're happening, and what they are an indication of. Move on to the second part of verse 13. These individuals, these evil ones and imposters, they are going to go forth unto the, the very worst, and they are going to deceive, and they are going to be deceived. Verse 14. Now, that's the reality of what we should expect. When the scripture says frequently, Messiah said, in regard to the last days, he says, watch out, take heed, be aware. Why? This is what he's telling us that we need to be looking for, because these are signs of the time. In the midst of that, what should we be doing? Well, look at now verse 14. He says again, but but you remain. Now, this is the the Greek word meno, which means to remain in John's gospel. Oftentimes, it's translated abide. And it's a word of continuing. It is not changing course. It's not allowing these things to to influence you, to change you. So he says, but you, in contrast to these, these evil ones, these imposters, he says, but you remain in the things that that you were taught and what you have have trusted. Now it's in here when we look at this word we see it having to do with with things that were entrusted to to Timothy. And these same things, we're studying them now. What Paul wrote, this is a wonderful thing. Paul has has been dead for, for over 1,900 years but he is still having an effect on me and you and all believers because he was submissive to the will of God and God still using his writings to make a great impact upon individuals. So he tells Timothy, but you remain in what you were taught and what you you trusted in knowing now. notice this knowing from whom you you were taught who taught you these things now here again paul's not operating out of pride he is simply operating out of a confidence and assurance that what he is sharing does not originate with himself Paul's not saying, I am so wise, I'm so smart, I'm the one that figured these things out, and I'm the one who's teaching them. Paul would never agree with that. What is he saying? He's assured that he's received these things from God, that they're truth from heaven, and therefore he's, he's admonishing Timothy that you remain committed to these things. Verse 15. Now, how can we summarize or generalize what what Paul was, was teaching? Well, look at the next verse, verse 15. And that from childhood. So he says, Timothy, from, from your very childhood, the sacred writings you know. Now, I think it's so important, and hear this carefully. It is so important. And we're going to see in the next two verses that there's an emphasis upon Scripture, the Word of God. And if your life is not based upon the Word of God, please understand this in love. You are behaving very foolishly. If you make decisions based upon how it seems to you, apart from God's revelation, based upon your logic, your intelligence, or on the counsel of others that are coming from a secular standpoint you are making foolish decisions simply stated a disciple is someone who is learning learning what well look again at verse 15 he says and from childhood what are we supposed to be learning the sacred writings you know the things that are able you to make wise for salvation now i remember i was speaking at a location and this was in not israel and it wasn't in america it was another country in asia and i remember getting a question about this verse it was a very legitimate good question he says now timothy is saved yes He is saved. He is being used by God. He is a faithful disciple. Paul recognizes that. He says, I don't understand something. He says, I see that the scriptures are foundational for truth, for understanding God's plan and purposes. This gentleman said, I get this. But he says, I don't understand why he says that they're able to make you wise. He says, I get that. But for salvation, he says, He's already been saved. He's speaking personally to Timothy. Isn't this in his past? The question is this. Why use the term salvation if someone's already been saved? How is the scripture going to make you wise for salvation if you've already been saved? And here's what we need to know. This word salvation. See, many times people only identify understand it, speak of in terms of having your sins forgiven and having assurance that you will be in the kingdom of God being justified. Paul's not using this term salvation in this way. Paul's using salvation as a, a synonym for victory. What he's saying is this of course, Timothy has been saved years previously. But Paul's telling him that that the sacred scriptures, they are the things that teach and are able to make one wise. He's speaking to Timothy, you wise, but the same is true for you and me. To make you wise for victory. Meaning this, salvation is a very, very significant term that has, it's multifaceted. There's different applications. Here he's saying that you can live a victorious life. He's not just speaking about being saved. Now, the scriptures are foundational in teaching us the gospel and how to be saved, but but so much more. So he says, the sacred writings you know, the things that are able to make you wise for salvation through, and here it is, through faith in Messiah Yeshua. Now, make you wise for victory, but the foundation of everything. This is what he's saying at the end of verse 15. The foundation of everything is Messiah Yeshua. If you are not standing upon His truth, if you're not being led by His Spirit, if you are not doing His will, if your life is not hidden in Him, then you are heading for failure see this use of the term salvation is the opposite of this concept of a failure he's speaking about living a victorious life in the midst of a persecution tribulation all types of the attacks of the enemy look now to verse 16. now for many and i would certainly agree with them this verse 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 is, is probably the best known and the most significant verse in, in this epistle. One of the most significant verses in all the Bible. Let's just translate it and then we'll make a few statements concerning it. Verse 16, he says here, all scripture, and then he has a word, God breathes. That's literally what it is. The term, if you look at it, verse 16. It is the word Theo, which represents Theos, God, and the word penustos, which is breathed. It's the same word from spirit because the spirit, a wind, when, when God speaks, we see that 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 spirit moves. So all scripture is what? God breathed. Meaning this, we can think of it in another terms. In fact, some Bibles translated this way, and I'm not at all disputing the, the, the conclusion. But it literally is God-breathed, which means it's inspired by God. So all scripture is inspired by God. Now, I heard someone recently, someone sent me a video of an individual teaching about the birth of Messiah the year and the date and basically this is what he says you know it's all the Bible speaks in big-picture things the Bible doesn't get bogged down in details my is that false details are so significant you're not bogged down this is where the meat is that's why we need to have the utmost respect and not to treat the Word of God casually because all scripture is God breathed. And notice what else he says. He says, also, it is worthy for instruction. This is the same concept of doctrine, meaning the truth that you base your life upon. Base your life upon the truth of scripture. Once more, all scripture is God breathed and profitable for doctrine For, and I would underline this next one, for reproof. Now we could think of that as as conviction. One of the things that's so good to do is to read this word, especially Psalms and Proverbs. Read them. Why? Because you're going to be an individual that is confronted with the will of God. And you are going to fall under conviction. That's a good thing because that gives you the the mindset and the truth we need to repent at times we need to confess that sin we need to seek forgiveness people say, well i'm already forgiven but confession is always appropriate confession is is a a very significant act and it can have a significant benefit spiritually in your life so the scripture it's all given by inspiration It is worthy for doctrine, for reproof, and, notice this next, correction. So these things go together. I need to, first of all, fall under conviction to see things need to be straightened out, corrected in my life. So first, the conviction comes. And unfortunately today, we see that many people don't want to hear messages and teachings that, 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 cause people to fall under conviction. This is a great error. We need to hear that. So, all scriptures is, is God-breathed, profitable, worthy, beneficial, for doctrine, correction, or excuse me, reproof, correction, for training, and notice this, training in the righteousness. Now, it literally says the righteousness because it's making this emphatic, teaching us this is the objective. Scripture, when we apply it to our life, yes, we find the gospel. Yes, we find salvation in the fullest sense of that. But realize that scripture, it's profitable for many things. But look at what it says here. End of, of verse 16. It is for the purpose of righteousness. Righteousness this is the evidence of one's faith that not just that they are declared righteous by faith that's a wonderful thing it's true we are declared righteous by god because of faith in Messiah. we receive his work now that's a declarative righteousness that the theologians speak of and the scripture also agrees with but there's also a performance righteousness which is very important to God. Now, some people say, oh, there you go. That's legalism. It's not legalism. It is the foundation of, of our faith. And that's this. We are saved by grace. We, we are justified by faith, not works of the law. So God begins through faith and his grace. He begins to regenerate me, meaning he begins that change in my life. And the evidence of that change is righteousness, righteous deeds. Now, why do I I want to emphasize that? Because one, the scripture does, but look at something else. It says, for training in the righteousness, meaning God's definition of righteousness. Now let's look at our last verse, verse 17. In order that the man of God, Now here again, man, it means human being. In no way does this exclude females, women, from from the truth of this. This scripture is applied equally to all individuals, male and female, Jew and Gentile. makes no difference. Truth is for humanity. So he says, in order that the man of God shall be, will be, if you apply the word of God, it is going to be a reality. Shall be, and notice what he says, complete. Now, this is a word, if you do a good study of it, complete, it means to be brought into the fullness of the objective. I want to say it again. It means to, someone has a goal, a purpose, a plan, and when that plan comes to fruition, it's fulfilled, fulfilled perfectly. This is what it's saying here. So that the man of God, how? Through the word of God. There's a power in the word of God to change us. How? Look at this last verse. In order that the man of God should be, should be complete. For what purpose? Notice what it says. For every good work. For every good work. This is what we're called to do. Good deeds. Are we saved by good deeds? No we are not. But we're called to do good deeds. And not only look at the whole scripture verse 17 that the man of God and literally it says in order that the man of God should be complete could translate that perfect that we reach God's objective for life that we are equipped for every good work and then I mentioned being equipped being thoroughly equipped and notice something here when you look at this word being having been equipped is better for for how it should be translated so that every man of God is is complete for every good work having been equipped so i am as a child of god by faith in messiah yeshua i have been equipped for good works now i want to close with with just talking about this word a little bit more this word for being equipped it's in the perfect which means that began in the past it's continued today and god's not going to change that it's going to continue into the future and in this case until we are, are perfected and receive those new bodies, those kingdom bodies, this is relevant and true. So we, are, we have been equipped thoroughly for good works. Now notice, having been, that been refers to the, the passive. That it's not something that, that we do ourselves. Let me go out and work real hard. Let me go out and purchase the things that I'm thorough, thorough, thoroughly equipped for, for this good these good works. No. It is that we have been meaning God does it to us. We become the recipients of that. And as I said earlier, the foundation of all of this is the word of God which brings us into intimacy with our Savior. Only through the word can you be saved and enter into that covenant, being in a covenant with Messiah. And that covenant is sealed by the giving of His Holy Spirit. This is the process. And if you have not began that process by saying to to our Heavenly Father, God, I'm a sinner. I have failed you. I have not perfectly done your will. And I'm in need of your mercy, your grace, your forgiveness. And I trust that it's only by what Messiah did upon that cross. When he laid down his life, he shed his blood that my sins can be paid for and redeemed eternally. I accept that work. And I believe not only did he die, but also he rose from the dead testifying to this victory, this salvation, this newness of life that that I have through faith in him. Now, when you say those things, you can be assured that God is going to go to work in you. He is going to edify you. He's going to change you. And he is going to equip you for every good work well close with that until next week and we enter into that last chapter of second timothy chapter four until then may god bless you and shalom from israel
0: well we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of LoveIsrael.org. again to find out more about us please visit our website